0: are listening to Clarification on Springfield's Talk 104.1 Hey everybody, welcome to Clarification. I'm your host James Clary. Pain. It's another fall weekend in the Ozarks. Fast approaching winter. You've all had your Thanksgiving holiday and Black Friday fun, and today you're going to hear the consistent jibber jabber that is in my brain because we had a guest scheduled Mr. Wolf from London and I got a message this morning that he is speaking before Parliament about tax issues he's a very well-known businessman in London we've had him on one other time but we'll reschedule with him so the show's on the fly but you know I wanted to talk about some things that I don't often get a chance to talk about. One of them, with all that's going on in the Middle East right now, it it made me kind of just just think about little things that I've read in my research about that area and also my two trips to that area. I was fortunate enough to—I spent three weeks in Dubai— and I spent about uh, almost six weeks, I think, it maybe five weeks in Erbil, Iraq. With uh, and the the Iraq trip, honestly, as cool as Dubai is, and if you've seen pictures of it, it is a a stunningly beautiful city. And there's very, you know, it's very clean. There's no crime. But my trip to Iraq was a lot more revealing, primarily because I spent that time, by the way, both trips were for a locally owned coffee shop. I can name them, I think. Right, Sarah? Yeah, it's no big deal. Classic Rock Coffee, who I used to work for, and at the time, Classic Rock Coffee was doing franchises and long without going into detail as to how they had connections all over the world and they would get franchise opportunities to open these classic rock coffee stores all over the world. So if you think about it, you're going to, you want to open a coffee shop. And so you look online, okay, what franchises are available? Well, Starbucks is the number one, but you can't buy a Starbucks franchise. They're corporate owned. They're not franchises. There are no such thing as a star. They do some business license agreements like, I know when I worked at Price Cutter, the Starbucks within there are kind of a license agreement, but Starbucks still owns all the intellectual property, and everything. So anyway, long story short, I went to Erbil, Iraq, to open a classic rock coffee. And Erbil is in northern Iraq. It's very, uh, very close, less than fifty kilometers, about thirty miles from uh, Masul, which is where a lot of the the Bad things happened in Iraq. In the north, there was a uh, actually the American consulate in Erbil. Erbil is a city of about three million. The American consulate was a stone's throw. It was across the street and about <clears throat> four buildings up from this location I was at remember going on the roof and the owner and I'm, I'm staring at the American consulate. I'm on the roof. There was roof access and I'm, I'm looking over. I'm like, oh, that's the American consulate over there. You can see the flag. And he's like, dude, don't stare at them. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, if you keep staring at them, there'll be men with machine guns over here. They had been bombed the year before. So they were very security conscious. But anyway, I just in a roundabout, Ray, I spent the time with the Kurds. The gentleman opening this store in Erbil was within a part of this city of three million called Ankawa, and Ankawa has about 40,000 residents that are all Kurds, and most of them are Christian Kurds, and I I talked to them at length, and they're actually uh, still friends to this day. The interesting thing about that trip to me was the fact that 98 percent of our staff they weren't Iraqis. They were Syrians. Now, why would Syrians, and these were, these were super bright, engaging young people that all spoke perfect English, by the way. Uh, you know, they spoke uh, Arabic and, and English. But, you know, I asked them, well, why are you here? It's like they had to flee the violence in their country. Syria at the time was being, was in the middle of a hot civil war. And who was that war between? Well, the the loyalists, the army of Syria, loyal to Bashar al-Assad, uh, was backed by the Soviet, not the Soviet Union, excuse me, backed by Russia. And the force they were fighting was ISIS. You remember ISIS, as Trump used to say, ISIS. And he defeated ISIS in about, Trump did, in about three months. Remember, that, that's, that always struck me as kind of odd. Did it strike you as odd the fact that Donald Trump, you know, Obama, his whole presidency, the, his second term from 2012 to 2016, he was fighting ISIS, supposedly. The fact of the matter is, he wasn't fighting ISIS, and this roundabout way is the point that I want to get to, because I don't think most of our listeners, I don't think most Americans know this. And what I'm about to tell you was uncovered by the great investigative journalist Seymour Hirsch, who is still with us, thank goodness. Seymour Hirsch wrote uh, for a couple decades for the New York Times, won a couple Pulitzers, Super, super bright investigative journalist. And his beat was the intelligence community. So he had more contacts within the intelligence community than most any other reporter. And he did this report. I'll never forget reading this. It blew my mind. I mean, I always thought ISIS, you know, just sprang up from the desert of the Sahara and you had these, you just radical Islamic jihadists. It's how soon we forget. Remember those videos, those ISIS videos, there'd be the guys all dressed in black and they would have the prisoners with their hands tied behind their back and orange jumpsuits. And there was said to be beheadings and there was, they'd send these videos out and setting people on fire. The video of course would always cut right before the actual beheading, which should have been your first clue. Right there. But anyway, this, what Hirsch found out, and I just have a couple minutes left in this segment, but Hirsch found out that ISIS was a CIA creation. The CIA under Barack Obama, headed up by John Brennan, Brennan, excuse me, John Brennan, remember he was the director of the CIA under Obama. Created ISIS, and they were actually, we get very specific details about this. They were created at a secret base in Jordan in 2012. And the former Jordanian president has actually confirmed this, that he allowed the U.S. intelligence agencies to come in. Here's, we've been fighting this war against Russia for many, many, many years. And it really began, I mean, we were fighting against the Soviet Union, but when the Soviet Union fell apart under Reagan, late 80s and 90s, and they created all these separate countries, but when Russia emerged, the the CIA had to have an enemy, and Russia represents the great, still to this day, represents the greatest threat to Western globalism that there is. So Hirsch got intelligence people to tell him, yeah, these ISIS. And if you look at the old ISIS videos, guess what? They're all driving American cars. They they are armed completely with American weapons. So Barack Obama and John Brennan created ISIS. Why? To go fight Assad. Why? Because Assad was backed by Russia. And it's, you know, when these these wars, they always come down to a battle for resources. And in Syria's particular instance, it wasn't specifically about resources, but it was access to the resources. There was a pipeline to be built that Russia was going to be built that would supply Europe with most of their oil, natural gas. And it had to cut right across Syria. Well, the U.S. didn't want that. They wanted a different one. so with the help of Qataris and Saudi Arabia... The Obama administration created the most feared terrorist group to ever be on the planet. It's just insane. It's Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's (laughs) Clarification. Sarah, you cracked me up with her music choice. Where did that come from? Who knows? I'm liking it, digging it. So anyway, in the last segment, I told you at the end of the segment that ISIS was a creation of the agency, the CIA and the Obama administration. Now this is not, uh, this isn't some conspiracy theory. This has been confirmed. And why do you never hear about this? this? The fact that this happened Look, the U.S. started meddling in the Middle East. You know, they've always wanted to be there. But I can remember as growing up as a kid that, you know, we just didn't make any inroads into the Middle East. Yes, we supported Israel, and that was our main entry point into the Middle East. But we didn't have a military base in the Middle East. The last time I read, I think we have over 200 bases in the Middle East. We have them in almost every country over there. And that all started under George Bush Sr. with the first Gulf War. You remember that when Iraq supposedly invaded Kuwait. Now, there's a lot more to that story. And why is this history important? I mean, eventually in this show, I'm going get, to get to the point where it leads us to the conflict that's going on today with Israel and Hamas and the U.S. involvement. But you have to understand some of the history of this stuff. Now, remember the, the war that George Bush Sr. got us into with Iraq was based on the premise that Iraq had invaded Kuwait. Now, if you look a little deeper into it, from what I understand, from the Iraqi point of view, Iraq said that Kuwait were drilling wells, oil wells, on the border and then going horizontally with their pipelines and tapping into Iraqi oil. And they had a long-running dispute about that. And the Kuwaitis did nothing. So eventually, it was charged that the Iraqis were uh, stealing, or excuse me, the Iraqis had invaded Kuwait. And, you know, it was all their fault, They're bad. And so George Bush got this coalition went to the united nations got all these un- other countries to support that first gulf war and i remember that you know the us had not been in a real war since vietnam and the military industrial complex was just you imagine the pressure that had been built up you know we got out of vietnam in 72 We had these minor excursions. There was one in Grenada and there was one in Panama when we went after Noriega under Reagan. But these were like minor skirmishes. And this whole time, the military industrial complex, the Raytheons, the general dynamics of the world were building weapons. And of course, they sold them to the military for training, but you really don't make a lot of money. I mean, the kind of money that they eventually made, unless you're at war. And that first Gulf War eventually led to 9-11. And we've done a couple shows on 9-11. I think you know my viewpoint on it. I think that 9-11, at the very least, our government knew the attack was coming. We know that for a fact. They had foreknowledge. Whether it was done by 19 Arab hijackers with box cutters that defeated the most powerful military uh, organization on earth or whether it was something else, we'll probably never know. We do know that Building 7 came down at free fall speed and it wasn't hit by a plane. So there was definitely other stuff going on. And so, you know, this was George Bush Jr.'s war. So after 9-11, we got the green light to move into the Middle East. Now, the first Gulf War under George Sr., Bush Sr., had allowed us to establish bases in Saudi Arabia. And honestly, Al-Qaeda was born out of the fact that the U.S. had military bases. That was their... That was their uh, demand and their reason for becoming a terrorist organization. I'm certainly in no way am I justifying it. I'm just telling you what they stated as the reason that there were infidels, foreigners occupying holy land. We had bases near Mecca in Saudi Arabia. To a Muslim, that is the ultimate insult and the U.S. and the the powers that be said we don't care, you know. So we're gonna we're gonna build more bases. So 9/11 happened, <clears throat> whether uh, under direct supervision of deep state dark agencies, or they just allowed it to happen. One of those two things is true. It definitely did not happen as the official story stated. I heard Megyn Kelly, the other day, go on this long rant because there were some. Some young people who are woefully ignorant and uneducated, the people that supported this supposed letter from Osama bin Laden. <clears throat> A letter was released and it was supposedly from Osama bin Laden and it, and it talked about why he attacked America. Well, I don't believe that he actually did attack America, and I I don't think the letter has any veracity at all. I also don't believe that Osama bin Laden was captured and killed under the Obama administration. I'm jumping around a little bit, but uh, if he was, why did they bury the body at sea? That's the most ridiculous thing. Look, as my my hero steve bannon likes to say there are no conspiracies but there are no coincidences when you see things like the u.s government saying they've captured the number one terrorist in the world but instead of bringing his body back for forensic analysis they buried him at sea why would they do that well they did that because there was a Make it so there's no evidence. And then what? A couple months later, all of the SEALs that were on that mission were all killed in a crash that could have been avoided. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. But to bring it back to this ISIS and the current situation in the Middle East, the U.S. and the intelligence agencies have been meddling in the affairs of all these countries for years. You know, in the Syrian conflict, I heard just the other day that Joe Biden had bombed some Syrian, quote-unquote, rebels. That's what they always call them, these rebels, because they had attacked a base in Syria, a U.S. military base. And I thought to myself, why does the United States have a military base in Syria. They're a sovereign country. Why would we have a base there? And as I mentioned in the outset of this, we have over 200 military bases spread across the Middle East. I mean, it's it's a power grab. And it all started under George Bush Sr. and it was continued under Junior. I mean, Junior, you know, everybody was behind the Afghanistan attacks. You know, supposedly Al Qaeda had these training camps in Afghanistan. That's how that whole thing started. So 9-11 happens. We're going to go after the terrorists. What did Bush, Bush Jr. call them? Sarah, do you remember? The evil ones. The evil ones. And why why did he say they attacked us? Because they hate our freedom. He literally they hate our freedom. The evil ones that hate our freedom. I mean, honestly, if you dissect that statement and that thinking for a moment, it's it's absurd. They hate our freedom. What are you talking about? And then of course, so he leapsfrogged from Afghanistan. And he says, we've got to go to war with Iraq. Iraq? And we played. I believe we played this video a couple weeks back, the Wesley Clark memo. General Wesley Clark, who was like third in command of the whole U.S. military. And he talked about after he, this was after 9-11, he found a memo. One of his subordinates brought him a memo that said the U.S. was going to take out seven countries in five years. And I can't remember the exact list, but Libya, Syria, Afghanistan, Somalia, and there were three more. They were going to take these, oh, and Iran was the last one, which is kind of bring me to... What I think you're seeing in Israel, who supposedly backs Hamas indirectly, Iran. I mean, it's our foreign policy is insane. And about the only person who's done anything somewhat sane is Donald Trump. And I am not a Trump sycophant. But besides his one misstep when he threw a couple cruise missiles at an abandoned airport in Syria, Trump did do that, and I called him out for it. That was wrong, because it was another false flag gas attack where they said Assad's gassing his own people. This is all CIA shenanigans. You, you really need to read, just or go listen to an interview with Whitney Webb. She wrote the seminal book on all this stuff called uh, America, a Nation Under Blackmail by Whitney Webb. And she breaks down the nefarious forces in the deep state. What this all comes down to is that they're chomping at the bit to get us into a war with Iran. And that's madness. It's clarification. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's clarification. We have harem, we have dancers in the building. Love that. Middle Eastern, we are talking about the Middle East because it, it is at the the center of everything. As I told you in the outset, I had an interview scheduled for this show. Mr. Wolf from London was going to call in, but he actually had a little bit more important call to make. He got called in to speak before Parliament in London, so... I can't really begrudge him that for skipping our little show from the Ozarks to speak in front of the uh, UK Parliament, which I think is pretty cool. We will have him back on to talk about that and really want to find out what's going on in London, because the protests there have been insane. And the protests, you know, this this show, really, I'm just I'm kind of going off the top of my head, but sharing some of what I found out. Through years of research about what's going on in the Middle East, and I close the last segment saying that this leads up to the fact that, you know, we want war with Iran. And let me just say emphatically that war with Iran would be horrific. It would be the worst possible thing that could happen to us and our allies it would mean millions dead. The Iranian regime is powerful. You understand they have, I mean, when I went to school in Tulsa, which is a Tulsa university is a very big petroleum and mechanical engineering school. About half of the student body that was getting engineering degrees were from Persia, as they would say, Persia, which is Iran. Super, super, super smart people. They are not to be trifled with. Yes, they're run by, you could call them radical religious fundamentalists, the mullahs, ever since the Shah was ousted. But, you know, this, all this stuff is tied together. The Shah of Iran was a CIA puppet. He was a U.S. CIA-backed puppet who took power by force in Iran in the late 60s. If my uh, dates are, my memory's correct on that. I think it was the late 60s. And, you know, the fact that the people, I mean, he was ruthless. I mean, the, the torture chambers and dungeons in Iran under the Shah were notorious You know, he didn't allow free speech. He was a dictator. But the CIA and the United States has this long history of supporting dictators. And, you know, very often it's like pick your poison because the alternative would be usually a communist regime. So we would often support particularly, you know, in in Central South America, but also in the Middle East, these more right-leaning dictators who would deal with us to keep the communists out. Because that was the big battle after World War II, as you know, we engaged in the Cold War for 60, 70 years with the Soviet Union. But back to what's been going on. I started out the segment telling you that the CIA created ISIS. Now this is where that story gets even a little more interesting in my opinion was the fact that the general who was head, and I don't remember his exact title at the time, Sarah could probably look it up, but General Flynn, Michael Flynn under Obama, like in 2011, 2012, see if you can find out his position in 2012, but he As I remember, he was, had... The head military leader over all the force in the Middle East. What do you got? This is what it says. In September 2011, Flynn was promoted to lieutenant general and assigned as assistant director of national intelligence in the Mm. office of the director of national intelligence. On April 17th of 2012, President Barack Obama nominated Flynn to be the 18th director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. Okay, the DNI. That is huge. And what year was it? 2012. The same year that ISIS was created. Now the director of national intelligence, the DNI is honestly the most senior intelligence official at least on the military side, but he gets he is privy to everything. Flynn knew that ISIS had been created. By John Brennan, who was head of the CIA in 2012. Flynn knew all this. He was a DNI. What did Barack Obama tell Trump? And Trump has repeated this many times. You know, besides idle chit chat, you know how when a new president is elected, they always have this meeting with the outgoing president? Well, Barack Obama and Donald Trump had that meeting. And Barack Obama gave him one piece of advice. He said, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, obviously, he said, whatever you do, do not hire Michael Flynn, General Flynn. Now, why was that? Well, we know now, and Flynn's hinted at it. Flynn has hinted at why he was, if you remember what happened to Flynn, Supposedly, he was caught up in that whole Russia, Russia, Russia Mueller crap. But I mean, they went after him hard, the DOJ. And that's coming directly from the Central Intelligence Agency. I guarantee you. Flynn knew where the bodies were buried. Can you imagine? So, what did, uh, Sarah, look up, what did Trump tag Flynn as? Was Secretary of Defense, maybe? I think it was Secretary of Defense. But Trump tagged Flynn to be, so Obama tells Trump, whatever you do, don't hire Michael Flynn for anything. So what does Trump do in typical Trump fashion? He hires Michael Flynn. And in the very first week of the Trump administration, was it secretary of defense? Yes. (laughs) Bless you. It says that he was the 24th U.S. National Security Advisor. Oh, National Security Advisor. For the first 22 days. Yeah. So within, but I think it happened within a week, Jim Comey, James Comey comes to the White House with another agent and says to Flint, hey, can we talk to you for a minute? Comey's bragged about this. They went intentionally to set Flynn up. They accused him of making deals with the Russians, which was total nonsense. What happened was what I started this story with Obama, Brennan created ISIS. He had a secret base in Jordan in 2012. Fast forward four years. Trump gets elected. Obama tells Trump, whatever you do, don't hire Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn, remember, had been the DNI, director of national intelligence under Obama. He knew about this ISIS creation. So Trump hires him. I guarantee you, Flynn told Trump, look, this is one of the biggest secrets they're hiding. They created ISIS. Remember, Trump cleaned up ISIS in like 60 days. Obama supposedly had been fighting ISIS for four years. He couldn't defeat them. Trump does it in a month. How did that happen? Well, because they were backed by us, Trump all he had to do was say, "Hey, cut off the money." We were the ones supplying them with arms, weapons, food, everything, to try to try and overthrow Bashar al-Assad, the head of Syria. I mean, you have to know this stuff to understand what's going on in Israel today. And in the last segment, I will make those connections. It's clarification. I'm James Clary. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. It's Clarification. I'm your host, James Clary. Welcome back to the show, which is an <clears throat> kind of an ad-lib show. As I said, I had a guest schedule, but we'll get Mr. Wolf back. But just kind of retracing the recent history in... The Middle East and what happened, because a lot of this stuff, you're never going to hear this on the mainstream news. <clears throat> I mean, I wish I could see the audience out there. And I would ask you, how many of you and I've asked this this poll, I've done a poll on this on Twitter, <clears throat> excuse me. And it was about 30 percent said yes. I, the question was, how many of you knew that the, the that ISIS was a creation of the CIA under Barack Obama? And John Brennan, only about 30% said yes. So 70% of people didn't know it. Now look it up. Fact check me. The administration, Obama's never denied it. Brennan's never denied it. Of course, they've never been asked directly. It's not like you see Brennan on Meet the Press. And they ask him, sir, did your former agency create ISIS? And even if he was asked that question... He would say, well, you know, I can't answer that. It's national security. <clears throat> kind of like this nonsense they're talking about with the J6 Day. We can't release everything about January 6th because there's, it could hurt the security systems at the Capitol, which is just insane. So in the last segment, <clears throat> we were talking about how General Flynn knew where the bodies were buried. Remember. Barack Obama, as I said, told Trump, the one piece of advice, do not hire General Flynn. So what happened with it? He served as the director of national intelligence for 22 days in the Trump administration. That's how quickly they got to him. I mean, it was their number one priority. And in all these actions, you have to ask yourself, why? There's always a reason. Why would they go after Flynn? With, and they threw everything at him. Remember, they went after his son. It's because he knew where the bodies were buried, and they feared that he was going to expose it. Imagine if Flynn, as the director of national intelligence, had gone on TV, gone on the news, say so he's interviewed by Tucker, and Tucker says, by the way, Back in 2012, there's been allegations that while you were in the Obama administration serving in the Pentagon, that the CIA funded, armed, and trained certain jihadi rebels at a secret base in Jordan, and this organization became ISIS. Is that true? And if Flynn confirms that... Do you know what that would have done to the credibility of Barack Obama, who's hailed by the left as some kind of saint? He was evil. He, You know what? He wasn't that evil. He's pretty evil. He was a puppet of the globalists. Now, there's some real interest. We, we should do a show on this, on Obama's history, because I've done some deep dives There are CIA connections in his family going back generations. Obama didn't just happen to become president. It doesn't work like that. Almost every president is planned by the deep state. I mean, we know, look at Joe Biden. I mean, that's the most obvious one. Anybody with half a brain that watched the election results live, it's going to be four years. It's going to be three years this month, three years ago, when we watched the election results come in, that it was obvious to anyone that there was fraud. You know, I'm not going to go into that and retry it, but Joe Biden's illegitimate. My point is, Obama was not happenstance you don't start as a community organizer become a senator 3 years later and president 5 years after that not even 5 i mean his rise to power is just is insane but why he played ball he played ball with the deep state remember before him you know we had bush and we, we started out the show talking about the Bushes. There's a great book by Russ Baker, a guy I've had the pleasure to interview a couple times, called Bush Family Secrets. You should read it. And of course, if you have any knowledge of history, you know that Prescott Bush, George Bush Sr.'s father. So George uh, G.W. Bush Jr. was his grandfather. Prescott Bush... along with the Dulles brothers, started the freaking CIA. They started it. George Bush Sr. was the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, and it was said at the time he had no experience in intelligence. Well, then why would you name him the director? Well, we find out later that he was in Dallas the day Kennedy was killed. Yeah, that's right. George Bush Sr. was in Dallas and that there was a memo uncovered in the FBI vaults from CIA agent George Bush from Dallas. So he'd been working for the agency all along and then it passes to his son. You think it's happenstance that his son then became president? Well, you know, they can't. So George Jr. played ball. They said, okay, next we're going to take out Iraq. He sent the U.S. military in under false pretenses to destroy a country. Apparently there were a million people, Iraqis, killed in that war. A million. These people don't care about death. I mean, if you think about it, 9-11... There were three thousand people killed. They knew the attack was coming. Look up the look up the testimony of Susan Lindauer. Susan Lindauer was the highest CIA CIA asset in Iraq at the time of the two thousand one nine eleven attacks. She was the highest cia asset in iraq and she had gotten warnings over and over by her iraqi counterparts hey there's an attack coming it's going to happen in new york it's going to involve planes and buildings she knew this so she's sending cables back hey What's the deal? She received cables from the agency telling her not to travel to New York between August and October of 2001. She's got the receipts. This isn't some crazy woman. Well, so after the attack, she's sounding the alarm. What happened to her? She was the first person arrested under the Patriot Act, which allowed her to be held without habeas corpus. Corpus. She was arrested and held for almost a year, if I remember right, Susan Lindauer. Without access to, there were no charges. Eventually she was released. So the same thing happened to Mike Flynn. They just did it in a different manner. Eventually the Justice Department they dropped their case against former National Security Advisor Mike Flynn. And I'm reading from an article in a stunning development that comes after internal memos were released, raising serious questions about the nature of the investigation that led to Flynn's late 2017 guilty play of lying to the FBI. So what does this have to do with what's happening now. Well, now we have another puppet of the deep state in office. There's probably never been anybody more malleable than, than Joe Biden. We all know he's, he's corrupt as the day is long. He will do anything the deep state asks him. The January 6th was a Fed-surrection and if you haven't seen Laura Logan's, I actually thought I was going to do today's show about it. I just didn't have time. But Laura Logan's new film about January 6th will curl your teeth. She names the name. She shows the actual federal agents. And they weren't just federal agents. Like one guy was a Capitol Police officer whose gun was seen. His shirt gets caught on something in this video. And you can see his gun. There were hardly anybody at J6 was known to have a weapon. This guy had a weapon. Guess what? He was an undercover Capitol police officer. He was one of the ones leading the charge into the Capitol. That was totally a false flag. Those people are totally political prisoners. You need to watch, look up Laura Logan, January 6th, Google it. And it sometimes it's hard to find because they try and hide this stuff. So anyway, we've got Joe Biden in office. And all of a sudden there's an attack by Hamas, this surprise attack, and 1,200 Israelis were killed and or taken hostage. My first question was, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I happen to know that the Israelis have the most sophisticated surveillance systems. Where do you think their cameras are pointed? They're pointed at Gaza. We know now there's satellites that that can literally read a license plate. They can read a document you're holding in your hand from four miles up. Anyway, the idea that these Hamas terrorists somehow managed... To subvert the most sophisticated surveillance system on earth and attack Israel unbeknowing is ludicrous. It didn't happen, folks. Now the attack happened, just like the attack happened on 9-11. They're even calling this Israel's 9-11. And there's so many pundits out there that are just clueless, like Megyn Kelly. And I like her show. It's entertaining. That's probably why I bring her up, because I do listen to it because it's entertaining. But then she, she goes on this rant about 9-11. She doesn't know anything about it. She doesn't know what happened to Building 7. She didn't even know there's a third building that went down. And if you had any intellectual curiosity, you'd know that. So anyway, the Israel gets attacked, and now they are in Gaza. Now, what the ultimate goals are? I don't know, but let's pray to God it doesn't involve Iran and the United States, because I do believe that is the ultimate goal of the globalists. Let's pray it doesn't happen. I'm James Clary. It's Clarification. We'll see you next week.